You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see it open your Bible at Genesis chapter 17. And we read this this morning and I want to build on it tonight where God showed up to Abraham. Remember, God had made covenant with Abraham when his name is Abraham. We spell it in English, A-B-R-A-M. And when you look at the original Hebrew, it means father, exalted father. And God appeared to him at the age of 75 and said that he would make him a great nation. And then we know what happened is that Sarah got involved in the process and offered her servant to him at around about the age of 80, uh, 86. And so we understand that uh, uh, he had, she, Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. And without going into detail now, if you can go study it out, but God called Isaac the covenant son. And so when he said, take your son, your only son for the sacrifice, he spoke about Isaac. God didn't recognize the work of the flesh. And so that is a whole nother study because then you find out, yeah, we eventually arrived, Genesis 17 and verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old. So that's 24 years after God gave the covenant that he would make Abraham a great nation. So Abraham's been living with his promise for 24 years and still didn't see his own wife, Sarah, fall pregnant. And then God appears to Abraham and says to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless and I will make my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. Everybody say exceedingly. Am you ready for exceedingly? We serve an exceeding God. Amen. I've just renewed my mind to it. Some people still sometimes struggle with it. If God is a God who says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think, I'm going to think as big as I can and say, go for it, God. Exceed that. God's not challenged by that. He's not going to turn around and say, no, come on, son. I, when I said that, I didn't quite mean that big. Now, how do you know if God says, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think? He's already telling us, I will live way above. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And he's not saying, I'm superior because of that. He's saying, come on up to my ways. Come on up to my thinking. Because he gives us his word to, to, to prove he is God. And you notice God loves doing things like way out, things you never expected. And when he comes to crossing them over the Red Sea, how many you know God could quite just as easily, when the Egyptians were coming up, he could have dropped them right there in the desert without anything else. No, he decides to blow the water open so they walk across on dry land. I mean, you know, it's like I've said before, when Moses stood there and God says, lift up your, your staff and he lifts it up. Next moment, the water opens. I can just imagine, I was Moses standing there with my staff, watching the water open. I, my first thought when I got revelation of that is, I would not have thought of that. Uh, if if I, you were going to deliver us, we got all the different ways you can do it. And then when it, go, when it happened, you go, no, you, just when I thought I knew you. And that's the thing, you can never figure out God. He's always ready to do something else big. How are you ready for some exceedingly? How are you ready for God to do something that you go, <laughs> I would not have thought of that. That's the God that we serve. You, you, you hear it in His communication all the time that He wants to do exceedingly, exceedingly. 
exceedingly. I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham. For I've made you a father of many nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. Kings shall come from you. Okay, you all missed this morning? You need to go listen to the message because that's the point I said me. That's me. Uh, and I gave you a big opportunity to say that. Okay, let's read it again. And he says, yeah, kings shall come from you. Mm-hmm. Isn't Jesus king of kings? So who's the kings he's king of? Not the unsaved king. So we need saved kings. I said saved kings. Now someone's may think, but that's not me. Listen, is your father the king? Are you born into a royal home? That makes you king. It makes you a king. Mm-hmm. You know who you are. Kings will come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Everybody say everlasting covenant. To be God to you and your descendants after you. And also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. I will be their God. Interesting that once God had spoken this, within one year, Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Isn't that amazing? Now, last I checked, it takes nine months for a baby to form. So you've got to take those nine months off of the year. And that's only if it's at the end of the hundredth year. So we're talking about three months. If not less. Isn't it interesting? For 24 years, God gave him a promise. I'll make you father of many nations. Then after this visitation, within a few weeks, Sarah's pregnant. From a 99-year-old man. And a woman whose womb was dead. Don't write anybody off too soon. Tell your neighbor, don't be fooled by what you see. I have a living word inside of me. So what happened? Why 24 years, nothing? God shows up, has this conversation. Next moment, Sarah's pregnant. What happened? Well, look closely. What happened? God said, no longer shall your name be Abram. Abram means father, exalted father. You just need one child to be a father. But God said, I've already said you'll be a father of many nations. So what we need to do now is even though you believe, I want your tongue involved with what I've said. And so he says, now I'm going to change your name to Abraham. And in the Hebrew, it means father of many nations. Nations, father of many nations. Names have meanings. God's name, when you talk about his name, 
His name is Yad Hey Vav Hey. That's the root of it. That's that very that name that really in Hebrew you can't even say it. It's more breathed than spoken. But whenever he had an issue, if you had someone had an issue in life, he would call him, I am Jehovah Raphael, the healing God. I am Jehovah Jireh, the providing God. He, he would name his name. His name carried his character. His character is his name. At the name, at the name, at the name, every knee bows. Why? Because the name carries power. The name describes who he is. Well, I put out the challenge this morning is check out your name. It might explain a lot of things. Because we keep telling people, my name is Alan. Do you even know what that means? Do you, are you aware of what your name is? Like I said, you know, people that name their children Storm. I hope you have a lot of patience. And, you know, because when you calling things like that, we respond to our name. See, in, in the Hebrew, we hear Abraham, and to us it's just, you know, Abe, it's just another name. But when he says it in the Hebrew language, he's saying, hello, I am the father of many nations. Amen. In the Hebrew vernacular, that's how it comes out of his mouth. I am the father of many nations. And so that's what became his confession. I am the father of many nations. I am the father of many nations. I am the father of many nations. And within a few weeks, Sarah's pregnant. Come on now. You're getting a hold of this? It's a very, very critical point for believers to understand. This is probably one of the big, uh, biggest steps for any believer to take. Because Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, remember, he was dealing with that issue in Jerusalem and around the temple. And so he went in and he went back and was staying with his friends in Bethany. And so the first day that they went out, it says, on the next day, verse 12, when they'd come out from Bethany, he was hungry, Jesus. And seen from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he could find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Now, I don't have time to teach on that tonight. You can go and listen to this morning where I explain that. And so in response, the, the King James says, Jesus answered. Him and the tree are having a conversation. Yeah. So the tree lies to him. And in response, he says... Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And the disciples heard it. It was audible. It was loud. And it was spoken in a way that others could hear it. That's, that's a very important point. We're going to work with that tonight. Now, verse 20. In the morning, so they'd gone to Jerusalem. That night they went back to Bethany. And the next morning, they're heading back into Jerusalem. So they've passed the tree. Now, the first time was cursed. They went to Jerusalem, came home, passed the tree in Bethany. Now they're heading back to Jerusalem. They come back past the same route where that tree is. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. From the roots. From the roots. Sometimes we have problems in our life, and as I've said before, this is the problem when you just go see a therapist and they just give a bunch of drugs, they're not dealing with the root of the issue. I understand drugs have a place. I do understand chemical imbalances. I do understand the body sometimes has there's certain drugs that God has given in the earth that aids and helps us. 
But your healing doesn't happen just in the body. It starts in the spirit of a man. The Bible says, out of your heart flow the issues of life. And if we don't understand this, then we can take chemicals and all it does is just cuts this, the, the, the fruit off. So you cut the tree at the surface. Like, have you ever worked in a garden? I mean, you know, when, when we went out, to, Dad said, go and mow the lawn or do whatever. You just see weeds, man. You just go straight over it. And he would always say, pull the weeds out before you start mowing the lawn. Why? Because you cut that off. It's going, ooh, nice new grass. But that weed, boom, comes straight back up. Why? The root was still there. you got to get it at the root. And so often what happens is the medication just covers everything, but the root issue is still there. But when you speak the word of God, when Jesus spoke, he didn't care whether a bird came and, and, and did something, whether a wild animal tore the tree out, whether somebody came past with a pickaxe, whether someone poured poison on it, he didn't care. He really didn't care how it happened. He didn't say, no one's going to eat fruit from you ever again. So I say to this tree, you need to do this and this. And he didn't do that. He just declared the end result. The end result. No one eats fruit from you ever again. And that hit that right at the root system. And when the root system was hit, that's where it was, that's where it dried up. Because when it's dried up from the root, it never comes back. Come on. You can take somebody and have them sit in a class and say, my name is Joseph, I'm an alcoholic, and blah, blah, blah. And you can get accountability and you can get over there. And, and, you know, God bless these organizations that do the best to help people. But if the only reason someone's not drinking alcohol anymore who's struggled with alcoholism is because there's a phone call away, someone's there, someone can help them. They've got to make sure they don't ever walk into a pub again, don't ever see any dessert. You've got to look after that person, keep it away from them. That person is still susceptible because the day can come when they're under that temptation, that pressure, and they phone, and that battery's flat, and they can't get to the next person. The problem is the root's still there. Next moment, they're involved in it again. And, are you getting with me? But when you have an encounter with Jesus, he gets right down in there to the root system. And no matter how long it's been in your family tree, grandpa did it, great grandpa, great great grandpa, it's always been in our family. Yeah, but now you pulled out. You've been born again. You've taken out of that family and you've been transplanted into the kingdom of God. And that thing is dealt with at the root level. It's destroyed and no longer has any hold on you whatsoever. Because when it's dealt in the root, you can stare that alcohol down and say, you got no hold on me. There's just nothing in you that attracts me anymore. If you deal with the root of the issue, the temptation's taken away. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Janine and I made that decision. When I look at, at the family, my family, I tell you, I, can't, I don't think I can name one on one hand how many of our families have not been divorced. And so when it showed up in Janine in my life, it was just like, well, you know, that's a, it, it's, it's a family curse. It's a family issue. It, and, and we know under the old law system is that the sins of the father were visited on the children it, 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 because they didn't know how to deal with the root system. They could obey the law by force, but the system was still there. The, the generational curses. 
And so maybe something was introduced into your home, into your family tree, into your life because of some uncle or someone who did something and, and now it's just cursed the family. But when Janine and I were born again, we made that quality decision. We are not of that family line any longer. This body may have come down that line and we love all of our family. and We always will. There's something there about blood. But we also understand that we are no longer of that kingdom. We are born again and divorce is just not even an option in our home. We don't even, it never comes out of our lips. Never. No matter what happens, it is just, it's done. Hallelujah. And yet we are celebrating all these years later. Hallelujah. Amen. And, and we'll stay together till Jesus comes. Oh, no, Pastor Adam, don't speak too quickly. No, it's because I speak quickly. It's because I speak before. Are you with me? He was like, oh, no, no, don't, 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 you know, don't. How many of you have heard people do this? You know, they'll say something that's positive, but then what do they do? Knock on wood. Isn't that right? And they say something like, I've got the job. Knock on wood. You know what that, you know where that comes from? You know that, where the history of that is? This will shock you. Because I hear a bunch of no's. It is a law of folklore that demons... When they exist in your house, they will lodge in something like a statue or a doorknob or, or, or the table leg. You know, the, 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 the stuff's possessed. That that's where the demons are. You understand? So now you want to say something positive. So you knock on the wood so the demon can't hear you while you say the positive thing. Because if he hears you, he's going to curse what you just said. Ah, it's amazing what you learn in church, isn't it? I wonder how many Christians are still knocking on wood because that's just, you know, that's just the thing. It's just... Oh, so you, tr that's, you think that's going to keep a de devil quiet? How many of you know the devil doesn't listen to audible sound? He's in the realm of the spirit. You can whisper so quietly. Shh, Pastor Alan. You're going to make the devil angry. You better believe it. Why? Because when I tell him to go, he flees in terror. When you speak the word of God, Satan flees in terror. He's afraid of someone that ever finds out that he is insignificant, nothing, defeated. Jesus stripped him of all power, all authority. And if you ever find that out and start to speak on the top of your voice, he crumbles and he has no weapon against that. That's why the devil, I mean, if it was us, you know, just in case the devil hears us, whisper at the tree. You don't want people hearing. No, Jesus spoke clearly. He spoke openly. Yeah, but what if it doesn't happen? Then you're going to look at, no, the point is you need to speak. You need to know it's going to happen. You believe God. What has he said? Put it out there. Let God be God. Let God be God. Amen. I don't accept demons in my house. They know for a fact. 
Any demon that shows up in our house is one lost demon. You're obviously not from around here. Because all the local demons, they're hiding behind bushes, behind and behind that. Yeah, I mean, when, when one of our believers here at the Bay Christian Family Church walks through town, all the local demons, they and, and it's those demons that catch one passing through. Hey, come here, come here, come here. Go in that house. Why don't you go? No, you go, you go, you go. Why, why aren't you going? Just believe, you go, go get them. Because they will find out very quickly. They poke their head out. Oh, you new in town? Right, come here, come here. You know, people want demons to run. No, come here. I'm going to speak a word of God to you. You foolish enough to show up in this home? The Lord rebuke you, and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Now, you get out of this house, and let me tell you what the word of God says about this home. I want to see a whole bunch more bold Christians, family. We don't whimper and cry under problems. No, no, God, why is this happening? God, I just don't understand. I don't know, God, God, please, God. No, no, stop that nonsense. Hello? Oh, come on. If it was in the natural and someone got a hold of you. Has anyone ever grabbed you at the back here and they kind of twisted? Remember? One of the things you did at school, oh, none of you ever has had that happen to you. You know where they grab you here and they twist it? Imagine I grabbed you in the soft spot. Now I won't do it to you because I love you. But if, if, if someone twisted, you go, oh, no, no, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Would you do that? Someone tries that on me. Man, I put redemption aside for a moment. <laughs> sort out the problem. And then I get forgiven. How <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I just wouldn't let anyone near enough to do it. But what am I saying? Someone tries to hurt you, you're going to immediately react. Isn't it right? You pull away. You say, now what are you doing? So why is it when a devil shows up, we land up crying instead of saying, no, not in this house. You have no right here. You have no authority here. I don't tolerate snakes in my home. If someone delivered, yeah, it's a nice present for your children. And it's a cobra in a box. Excuse, what are you bringing that in this house for? I'm not going to let snakes in my house or anyone else's chokhas. Nothing. No demons. Come on, have you say amen to that? Jesus spoke boldly. They heard him. Clear. No doubt there. Dried up from the roots. Start addressing those roots in your life. Speak it out. Peter remembering said to him, Lord, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to him, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Why? God oversees those words. That's exactly how God works. God sees something that he wants and he says it. And what happens? It is. And you need to do the same thing. And he says, I say to you, ever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Not what he thinks. Not what he hopes for. Not what he cries about. 
You have what you say. Now, who said that? Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe he knows what he's talking about? If he tells you something, is it because he wants you to have it? Then let's believe him. I said, let's believe him. Say that I have what I say. Now, how many you want what you say? Now, I see all the hands pop up. Boom, without doubt. Yes, amen, hallelujah. Now, hang on now. Is your mouth ready for that? Because I hear some Christians. Now, if you got what you say, a lot of people wouldn't be around still. We've got to watch what we say. Amen. That's why we need to clean up our speech. Because God wants to put the full power in it, but out of mercy, just out of mercy, he can't turn the power up yet. Well, he can, but he doesn't want to. Amen. Because if we put full power in everything that you say, the next moment somebody walks past and they do something, they slip in the curtain, I'll go to hell. What? And you imagine if you said something and it happened right away. And the earth would just swallow that person. <laughs> because you just said go to hell. There they are on their way. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mean now. You understand what I'm saying here? We've got to watch what we say to other people. Amen. So... Jesus says, you have what you say. He said, whoever speaks to the mountain. The mountains, family. He was talking there. They were standing on that mountain at the moment and probably pointed down at it just to get the point across. But in our lives, there are a lot of mountains, a lot of problems, a lot of issues that show up. And you notice Jesus didn't say, talk about your mountain." He said, speak to the mountain. He didn't ask God to take the mountain away. He said, speak to the mountain. He didn't write songs about his mountain. He said, you speak to the mountain. Some people worship their mountains. You ask them, how are you doing? And five minutes later, you're sorry you did. Because all you're hearing are problems. How's your day been? Oh, man. I'm so tired. Ah, it was such a difficult day. Oh, things are so tough. Isn't this the day the Lord has made? And I will rejoice and be glad in it. Yeah, but I'm so tired from work. There are people that don't have work. They wish they had your job. Why are we moaning? Why are we complaining about it? Why are we always talking about the negative? Because what you talk about, you reinforce. What you say will be rooted. What you say will be established. You speak about your mountain, it'll grow. Speak to the mountain, and it'll go. There is a difference. And we need to learn to see that and understand that. And we see it all the way through the Word of God. There was David. Comes out to the battlefield. And Goliath, this giant, 
is standing, shouting out the odds, telling Israel, they, they're gonna, he's going to take and strip them apart, send the man that, that can come fight me. If he kills me, then we are your servants. But if I kill him, you are our servants. And no one would take him on, even Saul. I believe that's actually who Goliath was after because Saul, the Bible says, stood head and shoulders above everybody else. He was also a big man. And he was well known, and Israel was known to conquer anyone they took on. So this big man comes along, this huge giant, and calls it out. And even Saul, a seasoned soldier, a king, and, and a big man, was afraid of Goliath. This little boy, David, arrives, just a shepherd boy, plays hops in a field, sings to God, and, and he comes out there. And next moment, he sees the rest of Israel lying there in their, in, their, in their foxholes. Like, what is going on here? And they said, no, just be quiet. We know your naughtiness. <laughs> the little boy's naughtiness? Yeah, what about the rest of you? Lying there. David says, is there not a cause? I know the God we serve. Are we not Israel? Do we not serve the King, God of Almighty, God Almighty, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the one who made covenant with Abraham and all his generations? I'm of that descendancy. I'm of that. That's, that's my great, 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 great grandfather. And God says he will be with me and he'll make us a great nation. Well, what's great nation lying here under the shout of this one man? I'm taking him out today. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Shh, boy, hang on, son. Do you understand who we're talking about? Yes, I do. Where's his covenant? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? When, he, when those words came out of his mouth, that's where Saul says, okay, well, then go. And as he steps on the field, there's Goliath. Booms with his voice. You come to me like a dog with your stones and your stick. I'm going to kill you today and strip you and feed you to the birds. Well, that's the place you become intimidated. Satan will shut you down. He will scream and shout and point out your problems. He'll remind you, you're small, you're little, you're no good. The others would have come to me with weapons. You come with a stick and with a stone. You've come in a weak state. I'm going to obliterate you today. What he didn't know, he's speaking to a covenant man. Someone who knows. And David says to him in brackets, you think it's sticks and stones. I'm way ahead of you. I'm way beyond that. I've learned not to look at my situation, not to look at my circumstance. Because when a lion came, I took him out by the beard. Can you imagine? I mean, he didn't, it's not like he shot him from a distance. That lion's dragging a lamb off. He runs and chases it down, grabs it by its hair and starts hitting it till it's dead. I killed a bear. Today, the uncircumcised Philistine sees the same thing. You think I'm here with sticks and stones? Let me help you. 
I come in the name of the Most High God. And today, He delivers me into my hands. Today, you are coming down. And I'm going to take your head off your shoulders. Not only that, I'm going to kill all these Philistines. You're like, whoa, David. I mean, okay, go for one man. But now he's so, mm, I'll just take on everybody. But this is a man who understands it's not up to me to fight him. I don't know how to kill a lion on my own. I don't know how to take a bear. But if I went for it, God always came through for me. Why? Because he put himself out where no man would go, where others were afraid. Even when the enemy was shouting, he said, I'm telling you how this ends. It's time to shout louder than the giant in your life. It's time for you to command the mountain to get out of your life. You tell it where to get off. You tell it where to stop. Stop begging God. Stop crying and stop trying to call God. When are you? When's this going to happen? No. Today is your day. Today you're going to look that giant square in the face and tell him what his end is. Come on, stand on your feet and give your Jesus praise if you're ready to live that kind of life. You decree the end. You decree the end. What's interesting about that story is that David didn't ask God, how do you want to end him? He said, He's there with a stick and stone. I'm taking your head off your shoulder. Where's your knife? Where's your, you left it with Saul. So, when he eventually took the guy down, one stone. There he goes down. Bang. So what did he do? Walked up to him. Okay. I said head off shoulders. Oh, he's carrying a sword. The very thing he wanted to use to destroy you with. He takes it and uses that. Family, what the devil meant for your harm, God's going to take that very same thing and turn it and destroy that enemy. And what was meant to be the victory of the devil becomes your victory. Come on, give Jesus praise. Uh-huh. Come on, shout louder than the giant. Speak your victory. Speak that end that you see. Hallelujah. <laughs> Something happens inside of you when you live this way. Do you notice the Bible says David ran at Goliath? He didn't throw it out there and say, okay, let's see what God does now. When you know what God has said and you speak, your action reflects what you believe. Your action reflects what you say. You run straight at that giant. 
We don't cower back, family. We don't cower back. No devil will shut us down. No devil will silence us. You know how I know a true believer? A true believer. I'm not talking about someone who goes to church and says they love God. I'm talking about a true believer, one who knows the word, who believes it. When the problems arrive, they get louder. And I'm not talking wailing louder. I'm talking rejoicing louder, speaking louder, praising louder. When you're looking at the enemy, that's when more and more comes out of you. Because you can shout and he goes, yeah, really? And then you see, oh, okay, no. <laughs> no, you want to you come at me? Louder, 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 more. You speak. Praise God. Believers speak, believers talk. Spirit of faith is having believed, I speak. Having believed, I know what you believe by listening. Oh, no, 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 no. Just when you're in church and you're amongst a bunch of Christians at home self. I'm talking about when, the, when that problem hits solid. And what you're saying when you're on your own. I don't speak to impress people. I speak to run de devils off. Amen. Amen. Here's the other thing. Once you've spoken, Jesus considered it done. He didn't argue with that tree on the way back home. Because evidently nothing had happened on the way home. Otherwise, Peter would have picked it up there. You know he was watching that tree. Because the next morning he, he was the first one to say, look. Isn't that right? It didn't bother Jesus. So, even if the circumstances don't line up at the immediate moment, if you believe you have what you say, then no ways is it going to come out your mouth I just don't understand. I've spoken. It still hasn't happened. Oh, no, then you didn't really believe. Amen. It's, you have to get to a place where you have to know. I mean, you heard our testimony where doctors told Janine and I that neither one of us can produce children. But we challenged that thing for nine years straight. Nine years. How many people would have given up after the first year? Abram, I heard the story. Sarah fell pregnant. The way Pastor Theo taught it to us. Within three months. Oh, we can do that. Speak a word. I have a son. I have a son. One year goes past. Two years go past. Three years go past. Four years go past. We never let it change. Our confession never changed. Never. Never. Not ever. We stayed with it. Why?
because that word has to go to work. Amen? Well, today we have three living on the earth, one in heaven, all by the spoken word, all from our loins. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? See, family, this is what we have to understand. When the devil stares you down, don't change, don't change, don't change. Don't question why or how long it's taken. Because often there's things working in the background that we're not aware of. We don't understand always the process, but the process is at work. You know, sometimes uh, a word can work very quickly within 24 hours, like with Jesus and the tree. Other times it could take years. And I can't, there, there are, you know, there's not enough in the word for me to explain. Maybe it could be my faith that I had to build up strong. You know, if someone starts CrossFit, you don't start by deadlifting 160 kilograms. Isn't that right? You start with a bar. And when you get the form right, then we put more weight on. You got to, it takes, sometimes takes time to get there. But other times, God needs the work today, and He doesn't care about whether you have developed enough faith yet. Then the gift of faith comes, and it can happen instantly. But it's as He wills. The point I'm making is, even if it looks like it's taking time, don't change your confession. That's the key. Stay with it. Stay with it. Why? Because that word is at work. Amen. So next time a giant shows up, you tell it what its end is. And then you rejoice. And let God be God. He said, I'll be a God to you. Did he say that? Are you the people of God? And lift up your hand and say, Father, I believe that. You are my God. You're a God to me. And you gave me the promise of your word. From this day on, I'm commanding the mountains out of my life. I will not discuss my mountains. I'll not complain about my mountains. I'll not cry about the mountains. I command the mountains out of my life. I shout louder than the giants. I will not be intimidated by the shout of a giant. I will speak the end of the giant. And when I do, my God, the covenant God, my covenant God has spoken and I am the descendant of my father of faith, Abraham. Just as he believed, I believe. And as the righteousness of God, what I say happens in Jesus' name.